Good evening. It is a great thing to be together once again. You know, it was brought to my attention earlier that I had failed to talk to Kay Addison on the last few weeks, and uh, I'm really sorry. So if you don't know Kay Addison, make sure you help me and make it up to her. So Kay Addison's over here by Drew. They're filling in for the Dye family. Uh, so if you don't know Kay Addison after services, make sure you go over and tell her how sorry I am I didn't talk to her and make sure you meet her. Uh, she is a doll. We're so thankful you guys are here uh, filling in for the entire family. So... We love y'all. In fact, I wore my dye suit tonight, just in case y'all didn't notice. Uh, I appreciate Danton and Madison getting married so I could uh, represent them tonight as they're, I believe, in Florida. Is that right? All right. Well, let me tell you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. You come up on Sunday night, and you're looking over your lesson, and then all of a sudden you realize you're running just a hair late. So you start to throw your clothes together, you get ready, you get on, and you're on your way to services, and you're like, oh man, I gotta make sure I got everything where I want it, I gotta talk. You know, your hands are a little sweaty, you're getting ready to get in front of people. And everybody's gonna be looking at you, and you say, oh no, am I going to mess up? Then you look in the mirror and you're like, well, half of my hair isn't even stuck up how it's supposed to be. My wife told me it looked horrible on the way here. I've gotta fix it. All right, your hands are sweating, a little bit clammy. It's like, oh, what do I do? And then you say, I tell you what, I'll get up and we'll talk about Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. You're overcome with anxiety, you're anxious, and you're like, oh no, everybody's going to be looking and I'm supposed to be ready and everything's supposed to go just how it's supposed to. And he says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing except... When you're getting ready to stand in front of 150 people and they're all going to be looking at you and they're going to expect to learn something from God's Word. You follow me? Is that where we're going? You know, we all say it. It's like, well, you know, the Bible says be anxious for nothing. And, and that's exactly right, except for when it applies to me. And then you get the little chills that go up your back and you're like, man, it was me. All right. It's natural. It's a real thing in the world, you know. A lot of times humans are almost wired so that we worry. You know, we're almost wired so that to a certain extent we let anxieties get to us and bother us, you know. And I would go off on a limb and, you know, don't shoot me, but I would say a lot of times it's more likely that, uh, you know, you would say the women folk, uh, you, you would think it's more likely, you know, within the relationship it's like, well, my wife, She's the worrier. But she wasn't worried at all. She's like, Jared, sit out on the front porch. I don't know how late he's going to wait, but eventually he's going to come in and get dressed. And I'm like, well, I didn't. Uh, so she got me put together, and here we are. So I appreciate her dressing me and, and making me look presentable. All right. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. We're going to talk about worry. Real life situation, I didn't, I didn't have to choose what to do because at the beginning of the year the verses were put together. And so Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, when you say, I felt like he was preaching right at me. Or when I was writing this sermon and thinking about all the worry that I was going to have when I got up, I was thinking, man, it's like they wrote this sermon just for me. All right, no, I didn't aim it at you, but rather uh, the scriptures do. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, he says... Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests or let your, your, your worries be made known unto God. All right, so as we think about worries, the problem is, you know, there's a lot of things we worry about. 
You know, in fact, I got online and I'm like, top things people worry about. And as, I, and as I went through the list, I'm like, you know, that's a pretty real thing. That's something that applies in my life. We look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He says, do not be anxious or be anxious for nothing. Uh, you look at some versions, some versions actually say, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Let it slide off your back. Let it, let it roll. Go with the flow. So he says, be anxious for nothing. And then he tells you how to overcome anxiety. And what's he say? Be anxious for nothing, but, notice he says, but in everything. But in everything, use prayer and supplication. He says, and then turn it over to God. All right, when you talk about the anxieties and the worries, it's not that the person ever, never, it's not that a person didn't ever have a worry come to them. It's not that they didn't have something that came into their mind, but rather when things come your way and it seems as though as life's getting you down, he says, turn it over to God. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, he says, let your requests be made known unto God. Let's look at some things we worry about. You know, the first one that popped up, first one that I noticed, and I believe it was actually the first one that I thought about, is passing. You know, I'm not talking about passing somebody on the interstate. That's not very worrisome. It can be. But I am talking, that was Mike last week. He talked about passing somebody on the interstate. Well, I ain't bringing up speed limits and passing people and driving too fast. That was Mike. All right, passing, I'm talking about death. Now, this is such a real worry. In fact, that they, ha they, had, a wor they had a word for it. Uh, if I remember right, let's look here. It says thanatophobia, all right? Thanatophobia, that is the fear of death, the fear of dying. And so evidently, it's so, uh, it's so prevalent, they had to come up with a fancy word so that I could impress you and be like, wow, Jared, Jared studied thanatophobia. All right, death. A lot of people worry about death. Why? Well, we're talking about the unknown. We're talking about something that we've never experienced. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 2, you kind of would say there's a warning. He said there's a time to be born and what? A time to die. You know, there's a time to be born, but with being born, born, that's a one syllable and I made it two. All right. When someone's born, the facts are death is a fact. Death is going to happen unless Christ comes first. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 2, he says there's a time to be born and a time to die. You go down to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6 through 8. There Paul, as he's looking back over his life, he's up, up in age, he's older. He goes on to say in verse 6, he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Then he says, and the time of my departure is at hand or near. He says... I fought the good fight. I finished my course. He said, I have kept the faith. He goes on in verse 8 to say, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, but what? Not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. So within God's design, within Paul's mind, he knew even though he was about to die, he said, it ain't no problem. He said, because I have lived how God Asked me to live. All right. Be anxious for nothing except death. Nope. Don't be worried about passing because we have faith, we have hope, 
and we have life in God. A man by the name of Woody Allen famously quipped, he said, I'm not afraid of death. He said, I just don't want to be there when it happens. And I understand. It's like, well, don't push me off into death. But as a Christian, we have a hope that overcomes the grave. You know, as you look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, we see there as it makes reference to Christ. Christ gave victory over death. You go down to 1 Corinthians you know, we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 this morning. You go to the very uh, or near the end of the following chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verse 55, he says, O death, where's your sting? O Hades, where's your victory? And that's a quote from the Old Testament, O law. In verse 56, he says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But notice verse 57, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, meaning you don't have to fear death. You don't have to worry about passing because there is victory in Christ. If you are a Christian, death simply means I win. It means this time on earth is taking me home where I desire to be. All right, one thing people worry about is passing or death. Another thing people worry about is past sins. Now, I know a lot of Christians that are, are worried about things they've done in the past, and honestly, it probably is tied directly to not having the faith in what God says the blood of Christ will do. Understanding that the blood of Christ is there so that sins can be forgiven. You know, in 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, you begin in verse 7, he says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses, actively cleanses us from all sin. You go down to the following verse, in verse 8, he says, If we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Go on to verse 9, he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, all of this is spoken with the prerequisite that is spoken in verse 7. He says, but if we walk in the light. So, as a Christian, in regards to our past sins, if we walk in the light, as God commands us to do, if we're striving for righteousness, the promise is those past sins, they're already removed. They're already taken away. And so, as we consider the blood of Christ, we don't want to doubt what God said the blood would do. We've got to have faith that God will see through to what we know He has already spoken or He's already forgiven. All right, another thing we worry about, you know, you get into, into one of those four years. So you got like the 2004, the 2008, the 2012, the 2016, and here we are in 2020. We get worried about presidents. It's like, oh no, there's fixing to be an election. And we say, you know what? That worries me. You know, if this side gets in, such and such. If this person gets in, well then, oh no. As we consider the worry or the anxiety that comes over the presidency. You know, I think of Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, talking about what we ought to do is, look, be obedient. He says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. And he goes on to say, for there is no authority except from God. 
And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. The only reason anybody would ever be in office is because God allowed them to be there. God's in control. Now, I'm not telling you don't exercise your right to vote. Vote. We want to do our best to pick the person that is best suited for Christianity. As far back as I can remember, meaning since I've been able to breathe, I don't believe it's ever been like, well, vote for this person that is a Christian that is actively putting God first, but rather we're always looking at this idea of let's choose whichever one we think is less bad. As you look at the world around us, no matter who becomes president, God's still in control. When I wake up on November 5th and they announce, unless I stay up, I mean it's possible that I could stay up and see who's elected, but if I wake up on November 5th, the only thing that's going to change in my life is who I say the president is. Otherwise, I'm going to live as a Christian. One day is no different than the last, and yet we've got people that are super worked up, super worried about who will be our next president. Well, uh, vote, let your voice be heard, but no matter what, live as a Christian. The next one, politics. Well, they go hand in hand. Regardless of who becomes poli- who, who's in charge as far as president, you know, we've got our local politics, we've got our state politics, we've got our Washington, D.C. politics, and no matter what takes place, understand God's still in control. Understand that it's really not a worry to Christians because no matter who wins, God's in control. And I will wake up a Christian and I will live to the best of my ability. In Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 2, he said, the righteous increase. When righteous, when the righteous are in charge, that when the righteous, they increase, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, he says, the people groan. All right, so within regards to what takes place, it's possible that bad things can happen, that poor decisions can be made, and that people will be brought to their knees. You look back at history and you know, people always say, if there's one thing we didn't learn from history, it's we didn't learn from history. It could be that it's time that the country come to its knees so that people can appreciate or be brought back to God. But no matter what, when I wake up, my goal is to be a Christian. All right, we can worry about passing. We can worry about past sins. We worry about presidents, politics, and we worry about possessions. Do you ever worry about money? You know, I believe... I'm citing something that I heard a while back. I didn't look it up right before I got up here. But I believe the number one cause of divorce in our country is finances. Financial problems is is where the, the difficulty in the marriage comes to a head or comes to an end. You know, within possessions, honestly, the more money you get, just the bigger problems you got. It's like, you know... You want to buy a car so you can drive. And so you buy the car, and then once you get the car, it's like, well, I need a nicer car, you know. First, you got the $500 beater that you pray every time you turn the key to see if it'll start. You know, you get a little bit older, and you get a little nicer car, and it's like, man, if I got this car, I've got to have me a garage. You get the garage so you can put the car in, and now you got such a nice car, it's like, I'm going to have to buy better insurance because I'm worried that my car is going to get hurt. We see the worry cycle. 
You know, and it doesn't stop from there because after you get the insurance, you got to get something to go on the car to make it nicer. And then after you get the something that's nicer on the car, then you got to do something to ensure that everything stays better. Within possessions, possessions become a worry. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 through 20, as he talks about possessions, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in the earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break through and steal. He says in verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust decays or destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. Look, you send it on ahead, you aren't going to have to worry about it. You won't have to worry about what's going to take place with your possessions when it's in God's hands. And honestly, you're going home to enjoy it when life is over. All right, people worry about money. People worry about politics. People worry about all these different things. In James chapter 5, verse, verse 1 and 2, he says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. All those things that they invested in, he says, ain't worth much now. You know, what we're talking about is your returns on laying up for yourselves treasures in heavens far greater than that of the stock market. You know, the best gains that you've ever heard of? Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. All right, we got the lots of worries to get through, and that clock is running a little faster than it's supposed to. So, provisions. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 27. Here we, we see God has taken care of everything. As long as time has been in existence, he says in verse 24, Therefore I said, you do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor your body, what you put on. Is life not more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and you, he says, are you not worth more, are you not of more value than they? Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Now, I'm real good with the verse until you get to verse 27 because I'm like, if I could just grow just a little bit. All right, what he's saying is, you can worry about it all you want. What's it change? It doesn't change anything. Don't worry. When you talk about provisions, the provisions that are spoken of in verse 25, 26, and verse 27, the point was, you get down to verse 33, he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and what's he mentioned? He says, and all these things, what he means? Provisions, your necessities, and all these things shall be added unto you. Live as a Christian, and look, the Lord will care for you. All right, we're going to have to start hurrying. Punishment. A lot of people worry about eternal punishment. And I'll tell you what, if there is one worry that I believe is a valid worry, punishment. And the only reason it's a valid worry is because you have to know within yourself that you haven't done what God expects you to do and therefore there doesn't await the crown of righteousness. So the best part is if your worry is the, that of punishment, being eternally lost, you have the opportunity to change that and no one can take it from you. You know, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, we've looked at Ecclesiastes a lot tonight. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and verse 13, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What is it? The plan is put God first no matter what. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. And he goes on to say, for this is man's all. This is what makes up man. This is God's design for mankind. And so therefore, when you think about punishment eternally, look, it's time to put God first. All right, go on to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. I always, I always mention it, one of my favorites, one of our memory verses. 
I don't know, what was it, uh, about 12 weeks ago? Random guess, but if it's right, that's great. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. Hereby do we know that we know Him, what? If we keep His commandments. God's design is that we put Him first, and ultimately we enjoy life because of it. So punishment eternally, you don't have to worry about as long as you do what you're supposed to do. All right. We'll go ahead and get the elephant out there. The pandemic. You know, we want to worry about pandemics. We want to worry about health. You know, health is important. It's scary to think that I could possibly lose my life. And yet, we still read the same Philippians chapter 4, the same verse 6 and the same verse 7. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything... Prayer and supplication, he says, let your requests be made known to God. What do we do with our worries? We need to turn them over to God. We need to quit worrying about them and let God be in control. You know, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, that which has been, it'll be. That which has been done will be done. And he says, and there is nothing new under the sun. You know, I think back through my life and all the different diseases that that pass, no matter what, there's going to be more diseases. This isn't the last one. When people talk about the newfounded, uncharted territory, something that's never been before, well, look, there's nothing new under the sun. It's not the first time that people have died. Now, I'm not trying to, trying to say that you can't try and make wise decisions, but I am telling you, well, look, don't let it overtake your life. Because no matter what, God is still in control. Think of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in yourself. That's not what it says. I was just kidding. He says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the... What's he say? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. It ain't about you. I don't care how strong you are. You know, Jordan Hallwell's getting stronger. He keeps trying to arm wrestle. One day he'll beat somebody, but... Till then, Neil will keep eating him. All right, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. It ain't about me. doesn't matter how strong you are. It matters how strong God is. And let me tell you, God can overcome anything you can throw at Him. All right, we're really supposed to hurry because I'm supposed to be done and I've got like not even a third of the way through. All right. Things we worry about. We worry about people. We worry about our family members, our loved ones, people that are sick. We worry about people. We let those things over. We talk about professions. It's like, oh no, what if I lose my job? I've got to work harder. I can't imagine being demoted. I've got to do something so that I can get farther ahead in the company. We worry about jobs. We worry about our professions. We worry about a persona. Let's talk about being young. You know, it's like, let me tell you, I am a young man. And as a single guy, I had to do whatever it took to catch the eye of that little girl, you know. I'm like, I want Anna to see me. On the way here, she said, do you even care? She said, you need to go get a haircut. I care about what you think. Do you care what I think? I'm like, you're trying to make me go get a haircut? All right, we worry about our persona. We want people to look at us and think, oh, well, Jared's a young, attractive guy. I want to marry him. And so whatever I did, it worked out. Here we are. We want people to look at us and say, oh, they're nice. They're not mean. We want people to look at us and we want them to say, uh, they're attractive. They're happy. They're nice. And yet, as you're young, he says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, he says, let your request be made known to God. So, so you begin to pray about it, and what happens? 
You're going to choose to be a better person because you know you have to do your part too. All right. And I was trying to make it something that, that fit me, and so I put in punctual. We worry about being punctual, all right? You ever been late? Let me tell you. Is Susan Hayes here? All right, sorry. Uh, Susan, I wish you were here. All right. We always joke because me and Susan are always late. All right, I don't know what we're doing wrong, but people worry about always being late, always missing out. It's like, I, well, I missed the first bell, but at least I was here now. All right, he says... As you consider being late, you know, what if I don't wake up for my, what, I don't, what if I don't wake up at my alarm? What if I miss the plane? We've got lots of things that we worry about. And still God reads and, or God spoke in Philippians chapter four, verse six. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, he says, let your requests be made known unto God. All right. We talked about things we worry about. That's point number one. Let's start point number two. Things to pray about. All right. We'll make it real quick. Pray about passing. Pray about past sins. Pray about presidents. Pray about politics, possessions, provisions, punishment. Pray about the pandemic. Pray about people, professions, your persona. Pray about being punctual, and it'll help you to do what you ought to do. As we think about prayer, you know, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing but turn it over to God. You know, you look at Paul, he prays about his fellow Christians. And no matter what, you get down to 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, and he says, pray without ceasing. All right, point number three. We've got things that we worry about, things to pray about. And if you tie in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, we've got things that we can be comforted in. All right, verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I think this is one of those verses that I never really recognized what was taking place until I heard, heard Billy speak on it one time in class. And that surpasses all understandings. You know how sometimes you pray about something and at the, at the end you're like, sure glad I got that off my chest. You know, I feel a lot better because I prayed to God and I asked for forgiveness. I know that I should have never done it. And then you have that feeling of ease. He says that surpasses all understanding. I don't get it. I really don't know how it works, but don't worry because Philippians chapter 4 verse 7, he says you ain't supposed to. You don't have to know how it works because it surpasses all understanding. When you look for comfort, notice they prayed about it in verse 6 and in verse 7 they find Comfort. We can be comforted. Peace is found through our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Go on to Ephesians chapter 2. And we see that that peace is found in the blood of Christ. You go on finally to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And peace is found when you're overwhelmed. What are we talking about? Be anxious. For nothing. When life gets you down and worry comes into your life and all of a sudden you're anxious right before you get up in front of people, understand that peace is found in God when you are overwhelmed. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are overwhelmed and are heavy laden. What's he say? And I will give you rest. No matter what it is that worries you in your life, let me tell you, 
The only thing that you need to be worried about is living for Christ so that one day you can inherit eternal life. I mentioned 1 John chapter 2, 1, 2, verse 3. 1, 2, 3, it's super simple. Hereby do we know that we know Him, what? If we keep His commandments. If you do what you are to do, you can know that you're in fellowship with Christ and therefore promised eternal life through Christ. Within God's design, we've got to give our life to Christ. If you're not a Christian, how does that take place? Well, in, when one begins to study, they're going to come to a point in their life where they say, you know, this is the Son of God and I want to live for Him. Because I want to live for Him, I understand that I have to turn from the world. I have to give my life to Him. Not only do I understand it, but I want to tell everybody, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe that I have forgiveness of sins because of His blood. And I believe just as Christ rose from the grave, one day I can rise and be victorious over death. Think back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 through 57. Verse 55, he says... Oh, death, where is your sting? It doesn't sting anymore because there's victory in Christ. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I ask you, why not? Ultimately, the person would choose to be baptized for the remission of sins because therein they find the new life, they find the new hope, and they find true comfort. If you haven't given your life to Christ, tonight is the night. Why would you wait another minute? You have the opportunity and I encourage you, if you haven't given your life to Christ, make a change right now. Come as we stand and sing.